theyeshiva.net. We're up to page 155, on the top it says Pinchas, Ayin Ches, column 2, page 155, the second column, closer to the bottom of the page, the line starts, Mamish Mitzavcha, Mamish Mitzavcha v'hainu hayoyim. Like 15 lines from the bottom. So the primary, the summation of the main point of yesterday's discussion was the idea that after one has the bones, the brain, and the bones, and the arteries, and the flesh, and the blood of the animal that is all applied to the Mizbeach, or on top of the Mizbeach, there is the element also of the fat that is burnt on the Mizbeach. It's all part of the carbon. Which in the substitute of carbonus and tefillah, it represents various facets of tefillah. Number one, there is the hisboininus, the mindful awareness, the mental awareness, the meditation, the reflection, the contemplation, the thought process. <coughs> where one involves the mayach, the mind, which is represented by the atzamais, the core, the etzem, the skeleton which is connected to the mayach. That is the izboinunus of davening, which reaches its peak at the posik of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekeinu, Hashem Echad, followed by Baruch Shein, followed by Vahaftam. But that is the izboinunus of davening, which then leads through the arteries between the brain and the heart to emotion, to the busser, to the flesh, which is so much associated with the dam, and that represents the lave, the feelings, the emotion. And then you have the chel of the fat, which is associated with the tainuk, with the pleasure. <coughs> the hisboininus of einoid malvada, which can lead to the ava of ahavtas Hashem alakecha b'chol avavcha, who would I want outside of you? leads to that tremendous shuka, the tremendous simoy and the thirst in the lave. The his bitterness could still be somewhat cold, cold in the sense not that the person doesn't care, but cold in the sense that in Mayach it's not about the personal experience, it's about the reflection on the truth. The emotion is how it becomes a very personal experience. And then there is a thirst and that thirst is quenched through the next passage. That it's the Dvarim Ha'el, Divrei Torah, and mitzvahs that come from Anoichi, and therefore allow you to transcend the Baruch Shem Kvayt Malchus Elayim Vad, because Pikudei Hashem Yisharim Mesamche Leiv, LeYishrei Leiv Simcha, because of the quality of Yisharim. Kodesh Yisrael Hashem, beyond Tvuasa. Tvuasa is a Seder Ishtalshalos, the grain and the mazel above it, etc. Kodesh Yisrael Hashem, because Hashem Kodeshonu B'mitzvah and therefore it has the quality of Yisharim. It doesn't go through the Ilava Olul from Ayin to Yesh, from Yesh to a deeper Ayin, to yet a, a lower Ayin, a lower Yesh, a lower Ayin, a lower Yesh, a lower Ayin, with Hestepanim, of Chachmel, a kiss, becoming Seichel Anushi, but here it's Yisharim, you have the Ein Saif incarnated, so to speak, 
in the Torah and in the mitzvahs. And this gives the chaylev, the fat, the shuman, the tainot, filling the, just like when a person is very emotional and very passionate, and their blood is boiling, they become hungry, they're thirsty, they're dry, they're parched, they want to drink, they need something to uh, cool them off, they eat afterwards, this is the food, so to speak, the nutrition that fills the soul that is filled with this yearning and this thirst of the Ave because of the awareness of Einoid Mulvat. And that's why it says, He says, Not my name, not my glory, not my Malchus, but the I, the I that transcends the whole Seder Ishtashalus. It's not the drop of the ocean, it's the ocean itself. It's the core of reality that the Jew has access to in Torah, in learning Torah and in the mitzvahs. But he now focuses on one more word, Hayoyim, today. There's one element here, and that is today. The words that I instruct you, that I give you Hayoyim, today. What's today? Hayoyim davka p'chines Hayoyim la'asaysa. The Gemara says in Erev, on the Pasuk in Veschana, that these are the mitzvahs that I give you today, la'asaysa, like the Gemara, Hayoyim la'asaysa. Ulamachar l'kabal schara. Rashi brings it. Tomorrow is for schar, today is for maysa. Hayoyim la'asaysa. Hayoyim davka p'chines Hayoyim la'asaysa. The emphasis is, is that today is the time of action because we live in the physical world. Tomorrow, in the future, in Gan Eden, in Olam Haba, there's schar. Today is about Lasos. That's the diuk. I command you here today, in other words, in this world, what you could do in this world. And in this world is the world of Maisel. Because in the day, where there's the action, it's precisely in the Maisa where one accesses the infinite oil that transcends all the worlds beyond the realm of evolution of spiritual to physical known as Ishtashlus. The expression of Zoya Parshas Bahar is Asiya Laela. Asiya Laela means action above all. Action Iber Alas. Asiya is Laela. Why is Asiya Laela? The Zoya says Asiya, there's nothing like action. Or in the words of Perkeyavis, Lay Hamidrash Iker Ela Hamaisa. Lay Hamidrash Iker in Perkeyavis Perikalif, the main thing is the Maisa. But the Zoya says even more. Perkeyavis means it's not enough to talk and talk and talk and learn. The main thing is to do, to implement. The Zoya says, Asiya, there's something about Asiya that reaches Laila. So the Balatanya teaches. The point of Tayyarim Mitzvah is because it's Yesharim, you would think, in every, on every level, wherever there's Torah, in Atzilah's breed, it's, it's always Yesharim. It doesn't go through the process of Ilava Alul. It's always the Ein Soif itself. But here is Maisif, no. There's something in the Hayoim La Soisam in the Maisa. What's the Pshat? What is it about the Maisa in this world that's even deeper? that any mitzvah or any Torah on any higher level, which you would think is counterintuitive, you would say also in this world. But here it's saying much more than also. It's the Hayoyim. Only today, with this Demaisa, that you have the Anoichi. So he says, oh, Peter Shein, here there's a whole new beer, a whole new Peter on explaining this Nakud. 
Whenever you're dealing with an evolutionary road, means a road of the road that is a chain, an evolutionary path from higher to lower. From an ila, from an antecedent to an alo, to the result, to the effect, which then becomes the antecedent for the next effect. So the effect of a higher level becomes the cause of a lower level, right? Your mother is a daughter, and her mother is also a daughter. The daughter of a mother becomes the mother of the next generation. And the next generation, which are daughters, become the mothers of the next generation. So in other words, my cause was the child of somebody else. For me it's a source, but that source comes from somebody else. And so that's the process of ilava alo. Every effect comes from a cause, which comes yet from a higher one, and a higher one, and a higher one, and that's how it evolves. This whole process, it would have never evolved to the physical plane. Why? Because the physicality of the world, the bruteness of the world, that did not emerge from its spirituality. Ruchnius never affects or creates Gashmius. It's like the Chazal say, As he brought in the beginning of the mind. There's no blade of grass below that doesn't have a spiritual force, a mazel above, that strikes it and says, Grow, grow. It's responding to a genetic code. But that code is basically being formulated by a spiritual energy that tells it to grow. That's the brilliance that every blade of grass knows. They know about agriculture, things that scientists studying thousand years don't know. What a tree understands, what a leaf knows, how they know how to do everything, is unbelievable. Where we, It takes us years to figure out how they function. But they all know it. They know it. They have a PhD. Immediately, the moment they emerge, they have everything, and much more than that. So there's a mazla haimelagda. Shahagidul shalt semecha adam mekech atzmecha shabar tzuai de hamazel. So what do you mean the gashmis doesn't come from ruchnis? It says clearly it comes from the mazel. He says there's a big difference. The growth of the tzemach, the growth of the plant from the vegetative <laughs> energy in the ground is through the mazel. But the emergence of the actual plant, the physical dimension of it, not its process of growth, not its spiritual dimensions, the physical dimension, this has nothing to do with the mazel, nothing to do with ruchnis. Saint Gadel, mazel's word, is Gadel. Good, flex good, one moment. I'm going to read a few lines now to get the point and then we'll explain. Rack. So he said, this whole Hishtal Shalos, where we are introducing here another idea. The whole Maimar and many Maimarim speaks about Hishtal Shalos, from Ruchnius to Gashmius, from Ruchnius to lower Ruchnius, lower Ruchnius, lower Ruchnius, lower, 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 till you hit Gashmius. And it could be thousands, millions, endless levels and gradations. As he said earlier in the Maimer, 
When you go backwards, you start with Gashmias, you hit Ruchnias, but that Ruchnias is Gashmias, Legabe a higher Ruchnias, and that Ruchnias is Gashmias, Legabe a higher Ruchnias. What is Ayin on one level, on a higher level, that's Yesh, and there's a deeper Ayin. And that Ayin is yet Yesh, Legabe a deeper Ayin, etc., etc., as you go back in that ladder, from Ayin to Yesh, and you go back from Yesh to Ayin. And that's the whole process called and everything in the world begins with spiritual energy and then it evolves and it descends until it assumes a physical reincarnation a physical incarnation a physical tzir a physical identity and that's true about every single thing in the world as the light wave leaves the solar core where the light wave is unnoticeable and that light wave suddenly becomes a source for creation a source of consciousness, of limited divine energy that trickles into every single world. But it, then it descends into a yet a lower world, and a lower world. And with each descent, it creates different types of creatures, different types of consciousness, right? Everybody knows this? Everybody understands what I'm saying? Huh? I'm just trying to summarize what we learned many times. Here he makes a new qualification. Question, yes. The light wave itself was, was since it's a, it, it is infinite, it's... It is a light wave, and yet it's infinite. Indeed. But from the perspective of the recipient, who is only getting a little glimpse glimpse of it, in order for him or her or it to be able to be what they're supposed to be. If they would experience the whole ocean, they would cease to be. Which is is the meditation of Enoid Movadai, that exact awareness where the world ceases to be in the sense, not that it ceases to be, that it's not existent, ceases to be anything that has a distinct identity. identity. Right? Here he makes a qualification. This, all this rule works until you hit the Geshem. You go, 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 go down until you hit the physical. Here, the rules of Ishtar stop. The program gets stuck. It's like, whoa, can't go further, sorry. I could take you down endless levels as long as your Ruchni is there. He says, what do you mean? It says the Esav has a mazel. Every You just said everything in the Geshem comes from Ayin. Everything is from the Ruchni. He says, no, 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 that's the Ruchni and the Gashmi, but not the Gashmi itself. That's the character, the spirituality within the physical, but not the physical itself. What does this mean? Let's see. Like he said before, the Gashmius of the world, the Chumrius of the world, doesn't come from Ruchnius. This is the divine Koyach, Ein Soif itself, which is actually called Soif of Kalam, and not Mamala Kalam. Shalafon of Ruchnius Vagashmius Shav, and it's not called Ruchnius. By him, the spiritual and the physical are identical. Just like he creates Ruchnius from nothing to something, even Ruchnius is a creation. He also creates Gashmis Me'ayin Liyash. Lachain, you see this in the story of creation. If you read Bereshis, Chazal saying Pirkeyavis, Basarim Amaris Nivra the world was created through ten utterances. Ten utterances means ten speeches, ten sentences. Speeches were very short. <laughs> Extremely short. 
each mimer creates something. So the first one is Vayoymer elikim yehi oir. God said, "Let there be light." That was the speech. Done. Vayhi oir. There's light. That's the first day of creation. The second day of creation, Hashem says, "Vayoymer elikim yehi rakia." There should be a firmament. There's a firmament that separates the higher water from the lower water, right? And what does it say? Vayhi chay. Vayoymer elikim. The third day. Vayoymer elikim. On the third day, Yikavu hamayim. Let the waters retreat and let dry land emerge, and that's what happens. Vayhi chay. And so you have Asarim Amaris, ten utterances. Let the produce, let the earth produce vegetation. And so it was. Here there's a very interesting anomaly in the story of creation. It comes Wednesday. Hashem says, Let there be luminaries in the heaven what we call the planets, the galaxies, the stars. Let them be ma'oris, luminaries, to illuminate the earth. And and so it was. And so it was. What's the next Pasuk? God made the two luminaries. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is something when you read Bereshis, it's a very strange thing. God said it should be. The Torah says, and it was. That means it happened. And the next Pasuk says, and he made it. Well, so it didn't happen. Throughout Bereshus, you have this. You get it? It's it's very, very strange. Yeah, you, from the beginning. No, then it doesn't say, Okay? By Rakia also it makes sense. Hashem said, let there be a Rakia, right? By Yas, a it's a Rakia. And he did it. Except okay. by Yeah. Then it says, Kavu Hamayim. Let the water retreat to different places and let dry land appear. By and so it was. Makes sense. And then Hashem gave it a name. By Desha. Let the earth produce. Desha. All beautiful. When it comes to Wednesday, that's why he brings Wednesday the first. Let there be ma'iris, right? Let them be, and it happened. Okay, it happened. Now we have a new passage. He just said it was already that way. He said, let it be. It was. What does it mean it was? There was a sun, there was a moon, there was a star. Now, and he made it. So this is a strange <coughs> phenomenon that we have in my Sabiratius. He said it should be, it was, and then Ersh says he did it. That's what he says. You go back to Monday... Hashem said, let there be a rakia b'taychamayim. And then it says, He said, let there be. He made the rakia, and so it was. Viter, Tuesday. Not Tuesday, uh, this is Thursday. Toitzei Aretz Nefesh Chaya. I'm sorry, Friday. 
Let the earth produce a living soul, basically all the animals. And so it was. And then, you get the problem or you're looking at me like I fell off one of these planets? Nobody lost sleep over this, huh? You read Bereshus, okay, okay, vaita, vaita, another creator, another creator. Well, let's just get it over with. Let's get to Shabbos, right? We want the Cholent. <laughs> he says, you see a pattern. Hashem says, it should be. Apparently, those utterances create it. That's why it will say, and so it was. When I say I want something, somehow it doesn't happen. And I could think for now, somehow it doesn't happen. Even when I do it, it doesn't always happen. But when you say something, it doesn't happen. He speaks, and that creates. But then there's a vayas, and he made. made. So you see two separate tracks, a spiritual reality... But it says vayichem. If it would just say, yeah, he thought it should be, and then he made it, I get it. You have a plan. You may speak about your plan, and then you do it. I get it. But you tell me, Hashem said, let it be, and it was. But now, no, 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 not yet. Now he goes and he makes it. So the Balatanya explains that there's really two different elements that we're addressing. What is it? Al haruchni is nemar yehi. Al hagashmi is vayas. Every nivra has two dimensions. It's internal design, internal, even the physical. There's the spiritual of the physical. It's message, it's theme, it's content. It's inner design, it's functionality, it's purposefulness. That's the Ruchnias of the Gashmias, and then there's the Gashmias. The Gashmias had its own code, divorced from everything else. The Maimer that created Ruchnias, even Ruchnias and Gashmias, does not help for the Gashmias. This is a separate pattern, it's called Vayas. So it could be Vayichain, it was. But what was? What was what I said was. Still not Vayas. And even though my words create, Basara Mamoro Isnivra, Abra Kedabra Kedu, which means Evra Kaadabera, right? Lenny will Google it. Abra Kedabra means Evra Kaadabera, that's where it comes from. I create. While I speak, my speech is creation. That's true. But that's the Vayihi, the Ruchnias. And then there's something else, the Gashmis. Now look at his conclusion of this. This is an idea which we'll discuss. But now look at his conclusion. The conclusion itself is Olezois, Yismach Levav Enosh, Avgilas Virane. Hence, let the heart of human, of the human, <coughs> Enosh is the term that's used for mortal, frail man. Enosh. Enosh huh? Mortal, frail man. That's why he uses this term. Let the heart of the mortal human being rejoice. Av gilas virane. With tremendous ecstasy and dancing. Ba'asoy soy echad mim achas mimitzvah Hashem ha'molubosh es begashmi 
when he has the ability to perform one of the mitzvahs of Hashem that are manifested in the physical. Because the Geshem itself captures pure infinity. This is certainly worthwhile to quench your thirst that you experienced in Vahafta. I know how thirsty you were. I know how eager, enthusiastic you were going crazy from your thirst. And then we're sending you to Vahoyu Advarim Ma'ela to the Torah and the Mitzvahs and Gashmias. But if you remember this, Kedayu Adavar Hazah. This is good enough to be able to relax your thirst, to be able to quench your thirst, to be able to fulfill the hunger, to satiate the thirsty soul from Vahafta searching for the ultimate core of reality with this understanding that you can do a mitzvah dafke and gashmis. That's why Hashar Noichim itself Hayoim. Hayoim is the world of mice and not the world of Ganev. Is this closing the circle of Tainu from Yashris then? Right. No, it's, you're, this you're, this Yishrei is that's even that's deeper that's in the Geshem. More even than in the Ruach. It's not only also in the Gashmis, it's precisely in the Gashmis. <laughs> In the human mortal frailty of the physical world. But creation, he first the, the, the thought, then the body, and then he actually blew in that thought. Yeah. Thought, yeah, thought. that was unique by an Adam that the body and the soul didn't even come together. By animals, the body and the soul comes together. When Hashem says, Toitzei Aritz Nefesh Chaya, say the horse. The horse emerged as a living creature. Human didn't emerge as a living creature. Even the animal soul? Right. Human emerged as clay, as, as Ephraim in Adam, just a, a corpse. That's a uniqueness of the human being. But here he's talking about all of Asar and Mamars. What's the Nekudah that's being conveyed here? The Nekudah is as follows. At least one aspect of it. Evolution, we're talking here not evolution, that's textbooks, evolutions of high school or elementary school. We're talking here the term Heshtalshalus, which is pre-Darwin. Heshtalshalus comes from the word Shalshalus. Shalshalus means a chain. In, one, in a chain, one rung is connected to the higher rung, to the higher rung, to the higher rung. So the lowest rung is connected to the highest rung. Of course, a chain is an inaccurate example because there's no qualitative difference between the lowest rung and the highest rung. Just another rung. This happens to be on top, this happens to be on bottom. But spiritually, it represents that there is a link between the lowest and the highest because they're chained, they're connected. And you couldn't get from the highest to the lowest without all the middle rungs. But ultimately, the lowest rung originates in the highest rung. What's an example of this? Take, uh, we'll give the example that we often give, the seed of an apple tree. When you look at the seed of an apple tree, or any other tree, there's no way that in this seed you could see the full splendid uh, expression of a tall, beautiful, splendid, delicious, healthy apple tree that may extend very, very tall, with very deep roots, and produce enormous quantities of apples that everybody enjoys. But nonetheless, we all know that that entire tree is an olul of the ilah, and the ilah is the seed. And microscopically, if you'll put the seed under the microscope, you'll be able to identify the entire tree within the seed. Of course, in potentiality, in microscopic reality, as we call it. But it's all there. Just like in the sperm and the egg of the human being, you have the entire fetus. Of course, it has to develop. It has to grow. It has to flesh out. But it all comes from there. That's called an ilah. This seed 
had a previous ila and a previous ila. And therefore, when I'm looking at this apple tree, if I can use my imagination correctly, I could find the entire apple tree in the seed. And the same is true with everything in this world. This table was not created in a vacuum. This ultimately comes from a tree growing in the, in the forest. You can identify which wood it is, and therefore from what tree it was. And even though it went through so many developments and manufacturing and production, but ultimately you can trace it back to the original source, to the roots. Sometimes you have to go back a thousand steps. Sometimes you have to go back three steps. Sometimes you have to go back 20,000 steps. But you can go back step by step by step. And then the product, the end product, you can identify. You can identify the end product in the original one. And you can identify in the end the beginning. When you look at the first, you could see the end if you understand how it works. And when you look at the last, you could see the beginning. That's the process of Ilaval. Therefore, when we talk about creation, you have the same process. You have a process of Ishtalshlus, of evolution. From higher to lower to lower to lower. But even the lowest is ultimately included in the highest. In the highest you can identify the lowest. And in the lowest you can trace it back to the highest. To give an example, a person, you may see a person crying. You see tears flowing down a person's, flowing, flowing from a person's eyes down his or her cheeks. You see tears, but you don't know why the person is crying. Because you're not the person. You don't feel what they're feeling. I can just see somebody crying. You may go over to them and say, what is bothering you? They may share with you what is bothering them. And you'll discover that it's an emotion. In other words, it's not that you start crying and then you tell yourself, oh, what am I feeling? I must be sad. You're feeling something and that's why you're crying. We see the person from the outside in, not from the inside out. So I see you're crying and I want to know what you're feeling. But you who is feeling your emotions, you don't say, oh, I'm crying, I must be feeling sad. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't work that way. You know what you're feeling and therefore you're crying. I see you laughing, smiling, I say, "What's, what's so funny, what's so exciting? You know, that's why you're smiling, but I don't know, I just see the outer expression. So I go from the tears, I go to the emotions. I already went one step up. From the alul, I went to the ilah. But now I'm going to ask you, why are you feeling this way? you'll say, oh, I don't know. I'm just feeling this way. I'm feeling this way. So now we have to figure out where does this emotion come from. So we go up another step. And then we go up another step. It's coming from a certain awareness, from a certain calculation. And then you can get to places that are very, very complex. Can you get to your subconscious emotions, your subconscious thoughts? You haven't thought about these things for 35 years. You're just responding emotionally. But what is underlying it? So you see how many steps you can go? And you can be busy with, some people are busy with this 80 years, trying to figure out why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Because there's an ilah, which is an alul, which is an ilah, which is an alul, and so step, 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 step. And then you will see in the original, if you can get there, in the original experience, you could now see, wow, look how this happened. Look how this developed. And any event is that way. There's a chain. We are here today in where we live because of decisions that were made 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, including Adam and Chava's decision for whatever reason to have children. They were just an innocent couple doing their thing, right? I don't know if they realize the headache they're going to create. But they did. 
But we don't live anymore in that world. We live today. But that's the concept of Ilava Allah. And so all Ilava Allah means that the last Allah and the first Ilah are always connected. That's why it's called Hishtashlus. I want you, whenever you see the word Hishtashlus, this is the image that comes up. It's a long chain. It can go for thousands of years. It can go for millions of years. It can go for millions of levels. But the top rung and the lowest rung are really deeply connected. Even though you can't jump, I can't get back to Adam and Chava without going through you know, hundreds of generations. But ultimately, we carry the genes of Adam and Chava. They, they always do these researches from the genes, you know, and you figure out that all Ashkenazic Jews come from four mothers in Europe. Right? Who lived in the 12th century. But that's who we are. We are those bubbers in Europe. That's who you are, that's who I am. We're carrying their gene. I don't know, if, I'm not Mamash Ashkenazi, but for those who are uh, Ashkenazim, uh, that's what it is. Right? You, we carry, we, we carry it, we carry. We are our parents, we are our grandparents, we are our great... As, as much as we try running away from them our whole life... <laughs> Right? I am my father, I am my mother, I am my grandfather, I am my grandmother. Halachically also, tachas avesecha yiyubanecha. The Rakachava says that Yerusha is not called shinu yushus in halacha. He, he proved from Baba Basra, Yerusha is not called a change of domains. Why? You are your father. He says, aben hu etzem ha'av. You are. It's not a change of rishus. It's negayin hilchis, uh, different halachas where you need shinu yushus, yirusha. You, we are, we are, but it's an it's a process of ilavaalu. But you can always identify, and therefore, it's always interesting to see. You look at a minhig, a minhig by Jews, trace back where that minhig started, and you go back and back and back and back. Maybe a line in a Taisvis, which came because of a line in Rashi, and so on. Everything is that way, ilavaalu. Now let's go to creation of the world. When we look at our world, it does not begin as a physical world. The whole universe is a spiritual universe. What do we mean the whole universe? If you want to talk about an apple, you'll have in Kabbalah, in Kabbalistic literature, they talk about thousands of pieces of our world, but always with spiritual terms. Darizal will call Tapuach Malchus, Eish Gvura, Mayim Chesed, Sheleg Keser. Snow is Keser, fire is Gvura, fire is fire, it's not Gvura, it's fire. Don't put your finger in it. Snow is snow. Eretz, Malchus, moon, Malchus. Huh? Yeah, every, what, what, what are we talking about? Is this real? The answer, of course, is. You're driving, you put on the radio, you want to hear the weather, or you look on your phone, you look for the weather, right? So they'll tell you in an hour or two hours there's going to be a thunderstorm. Me thunders and lightning, it's going to rain. Fine. So now you heard the weather. Then you have the meteorologist who explains why. Why is there going to be a thunderstorm? And he has his maps, and he starts explaining to you where the wind is coming from, and when it's going to reach here, and it may pass here, and it may not pass here. I'm not talking about if they know or they don't know, but at least what it sounds like. What did he, he didn't only tell you the weather, he also explained to you the background. Okay, But now you'll have the scientist getting on the radio and saying, and let me explain to you why the wind even originates. 
And then you'll have the physicist who's going to explain what's happening in the tectonic <laughs> tectonic plates and the volcanoes that are happening somewhere in the world which are causing the results, which are causing the results. And then, of course, Al Gore will explain to you global warming, <laughs> which is the origin of all catastrophes that happen today. And you got to the original Elah, the mother of all evils. But on a serious note, everyone is going to explain to you, let's go deeper, deeper, deeper. Who's right? They're all right. They're just going to a deeper level. Now the mystic will start telling you the news. He won't talk about rain or snow. He'll start telling you God is experiencing certain emotions. <laughs> the Gemara says that rain is Hashem crying. Really? Rain is Hashem crying? I thought rain was vapor that came from the oceans and was absorbed in the clouds. And then when there was too much pressure, it started to rain. And when there's a certain climate and they become icicles, you have snow. What does it have to do with anything? But it's like somebody telling me, one of my sons, when he's mamish a little baby, he saw somebody crying. So he said, Tati, I didn't know that we have a sink in our body. And you open the sink and the water comes out. Right? So it's like looking at rain and saying, God is crying. They're crying. It's like looking at somebody crying and saying, why are you crying? What are you feeling? Not feeling, it's just water comes down. No, no, water doesn't come down. Yes, you can discuss the scientific, physiological, biological dynamics of water coming down. But you're missing the point. The point is it's an emotion. So imagine somebody his whole life, yeah, he sees you crying, he says, wow, it's so interesting. Let me figure out how eyes produce water. Isn't that a crazy thing? And you could study it. It's actually a fascinating study how eyes produce quantities of water. From where do they come? And why are they salty? And why are they geschmack or sad? But imagine next time you see your wife crying, and you say, it's so interesting. Let me Google. Google, why do... Women cry. What happens in the eyes? You know what's that going to do for your shalom bias, right? You're missing the point. You say, no, no, no. I'm actually, I want to know why you're crying. Why? Why are you crying? Why? <laughs> there's two whys. There's the why of science, and there's the why of emotions. In a relationship, I would assume the why of emotions is a little more important than the why of science. If you're in a professor's class talking about the anatomy of tears then the why of emotions becomes irrelevant. But when you're in a relationship, favaz veistu, right? So you're going to start talking about the mechanism, yeah? It would be like if somebody asks, as I was once privy to, somebody lost his sister in a, uh, in a, ac- a horrible accident, a train accident. And the person was asking, why did she die? And the answer was, because it was dark at night. And she was holding a black umbrella, and she was wearing a black coat, and it was raining, and the driver did not see her, and he crashed into her. So she died. And the guy is freaking out. He says, why did she die? That's why she died. She died because when the train hits a body, unfortunately, the body dies. He's like, why did she die? They weren't talking the same language. His why was like, how can such a good person die? The train had independent die. And the why, the why of this person was, it's just technical, it's, it's just the laws of nature. It's dark, he can't see, it's called a bad mistake, a tragic mistake. Cookies crumble different ways, right? So whose why is right? But that's the idea. So when you see why is the weather happening, there's different whys. It's different levels. 
Take a look at musical notes. Anybody here reads musical notes? You ever opened a piano book? Right? What do you see when you see a piano book with musical notes? What do you see? Gibberish. Huh? Gibberish. Gibberish. Black notes. Black notes. Black little designs. What does a classic musician open up a book? He starts smiling and he's singing and he's swaying and he's dancing. What did he see? He didn't see, he didn't see black gibberish. He saw music. The notes were a display. They were a they were a container of the music. He saw something else in it. And the same is true with every phenomenon in the world. I could look at the outer and I could look at the inner. So I talk about the weather. I could talk about why you're crying in the sense of the biology of it and the emotion. And they're both true. It's just another layer. The emotions translate into a physiological reaction called tears. Clear? Clear. Ilavala. That's the laws of Ilavala. And therefore this whole world you could study on so many different levels. We speak about Atsilas, Briya, Yitzira. What are we talking about? We're not talking about different worlds. <laughs> I think I told this to you once. Atsilas, Briya, Yitzira, all these oilamas that he speaks about, they're not different worlds. It's not like you get into a spaceship, you fly for two years, and you hit Yitzira. <coughs> then you fly for a million years, you hit Briya, Briya, and then you do a billion light years, and you crash into Atsilas. And then you do another 2 billion light years or 28 billion light years and you melt away in Enoid Mulvada, the Yesh flies into the solar core and you hit Ayin. Well, if you fly in Taka to the sun, you'll Taka become Ayin or toast for breakfast. What, what is all this? What is all this? We're not dealing here with one world, another world, another world, another one. It's the same universe. It's different glasses. You put on glasses of Asiya. I see a table, I see a cup of coffee, I see a phone, I see a safe, we see physical people. You put on glasses that are deeper and they tune in to the Elah. They tune in to the emotion behind the tear. They also see the tears, but they see the background, they see the backdrop, they see what is the cause of it on a spiritual level. And then there's deeper glasses that show yet the backdrop of that and deeper and deeper. Just like the scientist who says this is not a table, let's put on, let's put on microscopic glasses and we'll see that there are sectillion atoms in this cup of coffee. And they're swerving, they're moving around in Hakafis in a crazy speed. And the atom itself is made up of, 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 of various par- particles with empty space. And then the atoms form together to create molecules. A regular drop of water. What do you have? Two atoms of, uh, of hydrogen with an atom of oxygen forming together a molecule of water. So I said, what is this? Hydrogen, oxygen? I don't see. I see a cup of water. You see a cup of water, but there's an elo to that water. And if you go deeper, and then deeper, and then deeper, and then you go, and you go to the ruchni of it, and then the ruchni itself, that's what Hishtalshalus means. So when we speak about Seder Ishtashalus, we're not talking about a different world. We're explaining the inner depth of what's happening in everything in the world. I could look at you and see you superficially, and I could look at you and see you fully, holistically. Why is it important to know Ishtashalus? It's important to know Ishtashalus, asking why it's important, is like asking why it's important to understand why your child is misbehaving in school. You think it's important to understand? Or you should just see he's misbehaving, slap him up and that's it, like the old minhag. 
Or maybe it's important to understand his emotions, his experiences, his frustrations. It's like saying maybe he's traumatized. A father tells me he gets a call that his, his, his daughter was unbelievably succeeding. And then one day she's failing in everything. So one way of looking at it is, okay, yeah, she's just lazy, sluggish, misbehaving, scream at her discipline or expel her, right? But everyone understands how foolish that is. What if this child is experiencing or experienced trauma, serious trauma, because of an event? You're completely ignoring the panemius, you're looking at the chitzonius, there's an ilah, there's a cause, and you may not be able to get to it. You may get to one layer, and you have to get to another layer, another layer. Sometimes the person doesn't get to it themselves. This is critical in education, it's critical in life, it's understanding the backdrop behind everything. You have to live in this world, but you have to appreciate there's a hishtalshalos, and everything is a hishtalshalos. That's what nister means. Nister means, people think terrorists on nister means, uh, Kabbalistic tricks. I put an amulet on your nose, yeah? And the lions won't touch you. That's a very small part of it, if anything, if any. Nister means to look at what is concealed, what is beneath the surface, what is not always displayed visibly. It's displayed visibly, but you can't see visibly the entire source. It comes through a physical medium. It's tears, I don't see emotions. It's water, I don't see atoms, I don't see molecules. But the atoms themselves are ayin. But legabe the ruchni, the atoms are also yesh. They have, Sunday I spoke about quantum mechanics, right? There are a whole rugged shover about it. Right? The world of quantum mechanics is basically how subatomic particles function. Atoms, legabe subatomic particles, are yesh, legabe ayin. The table, legabe the atoms, is yesh, legabe ayin. So everything is just a much more intricate and deeper level of reality further, 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 all the way back up to the divine energy, which is the core of it all. But the divine energy itself gets, descends, descends, descends. So the Balatanya here says, but wait, this is only from Ruchnius to Ruchnius. Ruchnius to Ruchnius, Ruchnius to Ruchnius, always. But then there's a phenomenon that is introduced only in this world, and that's the physical. What's the difference? What's the uniqueness of the physical? The uniqueness of the physical is it has no message. It doesn't say anything. Till you hit Olam Haza, you're dealing with messages, with information. The question is, what level of information? How deep? How intense? How infinite? But it's information. Information that's processed. You have the way Abaya and Rava understood a Mishnah. You have the way the Go'inim understood. You have the way the Rishonim understood. The Achroinim understood. The Achroinim Achroinim understood. And then you have the six-year-old boy who's learning Mishnayas. He also understands the Mishnah. If this teacher explains it, he understands it. It's the same Mishnah. You can't compare what he sees in the Mishnah to what Abaya and Rava, the Tanoim or Amiraim, saw in the Mishnah. The Pasuk Chumash, what Moshe saw in the Pasuk Chumash, to what I see in the Pasuk Chumash, or the five-year-old kid. Everybody sees the same Pasuk Chumash. But the layers, the depth, the remazim, the sophistication, the wisdom, the infinity. And you can always go deeper and deeper and deeper. The same Gemara you could learn 10,000 times and you still didn't get to the bottom of it. You could learn it again. Why? It's the information that's condensed. 
and comes down and trickles down until the lowest level of Ishtalshlus. So you'll have from Dvar Hashem, from divine energy, you'll have divine energy more restricted, more restricted, more restricted, and hence assuming a more tangible incarnation that can be grasped, say, by intellect, by emotion. But then there is a leap that we call today a quantum leap. And that's the leap from Ruach to Geshem. That leap is not any more than process of evolution. You know why? Because in the Gashmias you have a whole new message. You know what the message in this world is? The message in this world is, I don't come from anywhere. I don't know anybody. I have no source. I always was. I always will be. This whole idea that I come from somewhere is just a religious fundamentalist fantasy created by dictators who want to control your mind and want to become gods. I am I. That's my message. I am I. I don't carry, I'm not an ambassador. I'm not a representation of something. That happens in the leap from Ruach to Geshem. To put it differently, in the world of Gashmias, there's still two dimensions. There's looking at the Gashmias, a message in it, an energy in it, its purpose, its functionality, its theme, what it represents, that's putting Gashmias in the context of Ruchmias. But there's another message in physicality. The powerful message of physicality is two words, I am. You don't like it, you can jump into the Hudson. I am, I don't need justification. Don't put me into context. I create my own context. Don't put me into any context. That's what physicality uh, really says. That's the power of the Geshem. The power of the Geshem is, I am not here to carry a message. I'm not here to convey anything. I am. All Ruchnius is about context. It's a story. There's a narrative. And I am part of it. The Geshem, you could look at it and put it into that context. You could say it fits in, it's part of a story. But really what it says, externally what it says is, I'm random, I'm just here. Ask a rock, why are you here? Excusez-moi, I don't need any justifications. Who brought you here, nothing creates. Stop with your fantasies, don't impose your insecurities on me. I don't live in a context. I don't need any justification. I am here essentially. I am my own God. I am my own justification. I am I. Complete independence, complete anatomy. Even with ourselves. We know logically we have a father and mother. But do you feel experientially you have a father and a mother? I know I have a father and a mother unless I'm dumb. And you have some emotions hopefully to your father and mother. Hopefully they're positive. But experientially, right? Do you feel your birth? Do you feel your end? Do you feel that there was a time you weren't here and you suddenly emerged? There's going to be a time you won't be here? We don't feel that way. Everyone is invincible. Ich bin ich. People can say goodbye to their fathers and mothers. It's not part of the essential physical experience. The physical experience is absolute, unwavering sovereignty without any need for justification. The ultimate existentialist who says, I create meaning out of my own existence. My existence doesn't fit into any meaning. Till you hit this world, that doesn't exist. 
Till you hit this world, it's lower levels of information. But this information is a message. Suddenly in this world, there's also a message. But there's a dimension of this world that denies all messages. You could be an atheist on every single level and get tenure in the best universities. In fact, only if you're an atheist, some universities will you get tenure. If not, <laughs> you're not kosher. Unless, you know, it's not so easy. Why? This is the pride of this world. The pride of this world is absolute meaninglessness. Meaninglessness in the world of Geshem is as meaningful as meaningfulness. In fact, it's even more hip. It's more, it's like almost sophisticated in some circles. Don't attach me to anything. I'm not part of a chain. I am I. Now, in religious thought, this notion has been the arch enemy of religion. This notion has been the, 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 the source of all evil, the source of arrogance, of pompousness, of, of no duty, no responsibility. You don't know anything to your father and mother. I once met a very troubled teenager, and I asked him, very, a very deep person, but wild. It was, his eyes looked, looked like arrows coming at you. Like, and I asked him, what, are you, what do you really want? And he looked at me and he said, can I be honest? I said, sure, please be honest. He said, I want to murder both of my parents. I say, what I happened to know? I happened to know who his parents are. His father's like a malach. He's not even much in this world. His mother's a mother, a fine woman. I say, why? Did they do something to He says, no, no, no. I just want to be completely independent. They are the last reminder that I am from... I need full control of my life. And, and, and what will make me feel independent is if I could kill them. If I could kill the, those who came from me, that will make me feel independent. He didn't do it. He had another side to him also. But, but the, the emotion was fascinating to me. And he was very genuine. He was extremely genuine. I mean, I had to do quite a lot of work with him. But, uh, but that concept, that phenomenon, complete detachment, complete independence... This was always seen as the greatest threat of our world. Why it's called Olam HaKlippis, Sitra Acher. In Eitz Chaim it says, Because that's, that's what the physical world is. The body is always put down. The physicality, Gashmi, is people get indulged. No, Ruchni, the main thing is Ruchni, is Ruchni, is Olam Haba, Ganeiden, godliness, not Gashmi, it's not about the goof and the Gashmi, which is always selfish and narcissistic. Until the Alter Rebbe came around. And suddenly what the Balatanya reveals in this Mimer is that Einoid Mulvadai doesn't mean to the exclusion of Gashmis. On the contrary. It means that there's something in this Gesha that doesn't even exist in Ruchnis. Something that is extremely divine about the physical due to its lowliness. The quantum leap from Ruchnius to Gashmius means that Gashmius is rooted. It actually represents something that even spirituality doesn't have. And that's why there's a special Vayas on the Gashmi. There's a special, it's not part of the Vayihi. Vayihi Chain is the physical as a manifestation of the spiritual. The apple, the orange, the kiwi, the hippo, the rhinoceros. The monkey, the worm, the mosquito, the frog, the human. 
Neptune, Mars, the sun or the moon as representations of a story, of an energy, of a message. That's Vayihiche. Vayas is a special code. A special code that doesn't have to do with the mimer of Ruchnius. doesn't have to do with the energy. That is the Gashmi as an absolute self-contained deity that claims no allegiance to anything and anybody but itself. But itself. That has a special vayas. Even the Ruchni is part of the Gashmi is That's why he gives the Chayyim. Each one has. No, no, no. Ruchni is of the other world. The Ruchnis of the other world. But it's called Yemayan Liesh. Yeah. The original, original Tim Tzimarishan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then yeah. why does he bring in each one? As David said, if I start my mother's, you have the Yehida Kiyo goes on the Ruchnis part. The Yasa the Kim goes on the Gashmis part. Tetsi goes on the Ruchnis. No, the Yasa the Kim. So the Chayda, it's a Hemshech, no? No, no, no. Hashem Shubo was the Ruchnis Liesh. It's Yemayan Liesh. And Gashmis has its own Mayan Liesh. Lachin, what's the Lachin? That's why there's two in Yonim. He's bringing both in Yonim. Ke'ilu, the first part, Ma'iris, is the Ruchnias that he just referred to. No. Which is also Me'ayin Liyash. It is. Well, you're not calling it Ilaval. No, of course. That Ruchnias is Ilaval. This is a... Okay, interesting question, based on what you said. So... Kabbalah says that everything down here is a representation of something up there. So if it's literally something special, how can it be if it's something controlled by what, what is going upstairs? Like, I might look like I'm a physical person here, but something upstairs is leading me to come to your shir, for example. If something up there is doing a similar thing. So how does that fit with what we're saying, that this is completely separate? Get one of those colorful ones. It's not. Or is it a different level? Yeah, that it, that yeah it exactly. The Ruchni and the Gashmi is not separate. I, okay. You understand? Yes. The soul and the body is Ruchni. Yes. And the energy in the body, the Ruchni and the Gashmi, is Ruchni. Yes. He's talking here the Gashmi element of the Gashmi. Not the physical as an expression of phys- as, as physical. The physical as a container of spirit is spiritual. Yes. You get it? There's the physical as a container I get, but I have for the another question. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is it's, it, listen. It's it's new stuff. It's not. Uh, <laughs> understood yesterday everything with Gashmis and Ruchnis. A mazel, yeah. <laughs> That the that the that the muscle is, is creating something. There is a ruch, 
but it's only the Ruchni's part of it when you spoke about it as, as the Toelis of it, the purpose, etc. But the there's a separate Gashmi's part of it that that has nothing to do with the Muslim. That that's a separate creation of Ayas. That's how I understand. I just yeah. wonder, that's correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bruteness. I'll explain. When you speak about Hishtalshalus, evolution, in this context of evolution, I keep on saying that. Maybe I should find, I don't have another word for Hishtalshalus, but maybe if somebody comes up with a better word. It's a proper word. It's a proper word. Progression is, is a fine word, but it's not, it doesn't work here, progression. Propagation, also not. Not progression and not propagation. We need a more evolved world. Word. Devolution. <laughs> Devolution, okay. Remember, there's drastic changes in each stage, so it's not just propagation, it's drastic. Emergence. It's tremendous changes, which is that concept. The shalshalas goes down, right? It's not just a chain in the sense of one rung is similar to the previous rung. The fact that it's a lower rung here, we're not talking a lower rung geographically, we're talking here a lower rung in terms of consciousness, in terms of sensitivity to its source. In that sense, it's reverse evolution. Right. From a higher devolution. Source, devo- yeah. De- that's why he said devolution. Devolution. So, whenever we speak about that concept, as we said, there's always the similarity between the highest rung and the lowest rung even though they look very different. You can't compare the seed of the apple tree to the tree. But nonetheless, one is the cause for the other. And therefore, everything could be experienced on so many different dimensions. Depends which part of Ishtalshalus you held on to. It's all true. When you make a snowman, right, you're also connecting to the snow. You're relating to the snow. But the same flake of snow you can also look at and grasp from a different perspective. You put the flake of snow under a microscope and you study the crystal-like, tremendous, dazzling designs of every flake of snow. It's also an element of snow, which we often, we often ignore when we see. And then there's deeper and deeper and deeper, as discussed. All of them have a common denominator. The common denominator is they come from the same point. They represent the same theme on different levels. So let's take an example of uh, sweetness. The word mesikos. Mesikos, sweetness, right? A lollipop is sweet. Cotton candy is sweet. Chocolate is sweet. You put sugar into your coffee to make it sweet. A slurpee is sweet. It's kishmak. It's zis. So your seven-year-old says, Tati, you promised me a Slurpee today after camp. Take me to 7-Eleven to give me a Slurpee. So you say, Let's learn a sweet Shtikl Gemara. A sweet Rajba. Yeah? What do we say in, uh, in uh, Shabbos morning? The se'orivna, yeah, the sweetness. Call you stroll arevim zabaza. What's the lotion? Mesukim midvas midvash midvash v'noifes sufim. Somehow, it's not going to fly necessarily. He wants a slurpee, but nonetheless, we call this sweet. We call this sweet. You hear a niggin, 
you say, ah, azisa nigan, a sweet nigan, a sweet apple versus a sour apple. You hear a toida, you say, zisa toida. You say about a person, azisa mensch, a sweet person. So now I ask you, right? You're going to compare the sweetness of the lollipop to the sweetness of the person? It would be like, uh, I told you once a story, in Dvinsk, there were two Rabbonim. The Rav of the Ashkenazim was Reb Meir Simcha Koyen of Dvinsk, the Ursa Meach, the author of Meshachachma. The Rav of the Chassidim was the Rokachava Gon, Reb Yosef Rosen. The Rokachava was small. He was a small person. He was frail. He was short. Uh, the Ursa Meach was more um, <coughs> robust. So in Shul, you know, as Jews are, they got into an argument. That is Gresser. Who's greater? The Ersameach, Reb Mesim, Chakrena, the Rakachover. A whole argument for two hours. Vet is Gnesa, who's greater? So there was a child there. They see he's laughing. They said, Vos lachstu. So he said, I don't understand how intelligent people could stand and argue for two hours. Vet is Gnesa. Geitaroiz, Vetezen. As Reb Mesim, Chizasach Gnesa, Vet Rakachover. Go out, you'll see. He's much bigger than the Rakachover. There's no question. So they said, no, we didn't mean Gresser in terms of stomach and waist and size of pants or jacket. We meant Gresser, spiritual, intellectual, <laughs> leadership. We meant Gresser, Ruchnius. So he says, now you're saying Pshatlach. Stop lying. You said Gresser. Gresser means big. Stop hacking me a China, Gresser this. Yeah. Right? Vos, vos, He's right from his perspective. Big means big. Go explain to him that they didn't even entertain that when they said the word aggressor larger. It depends in which rung of perception you are. What is reality? For a certain person, the sweetness in the candy, it's not sweet. (laughs) It's actually poison maybe. (laughs) Especially if he knows how they make it sweet. But we're not going to go there at the moment. Oh, that's a slurpy. So you have a, a gishmaka seichel, you have a gishmaka person, you have a gishmaka toisvis, and then you have a gishmaka nigan, and then you have a gishmaka piece of steak. You see the difference? You see the difference? But nonetheless, you call them all gishmak. You know why? Because it's ishtalshalos. That's an example of ishtalshalos. What does Geshmak mean? In the world of intellect, Geshmak means powerfully enlightening, beautiful insight. You say, ah, this was a Geshmak Ashir. This is a Geshmak of art. What, the other one wasn't a Geshmak of art. Maybe not. That's the definition of Geshmak. Sweet, delicious, delicious. And then some people look at a piece of food, they take the piece of food, they say, this is a Geshmak piece of food. For a person who's in a different world, that means nothing. It means nothing. Mamish means nothing. The moment the neshama leaves the body, when a person is, you know when you're very sick, you have a virus, you have a flu, and foods that are usually so tempting, and you eat them and you vomit, and you look at the food and you want to vomit again, and you look at it, you want to, what was yesterday, like the peak of your, uh, of your day, Eating this food becomes disgusting because you're in a different place. And what happens when the neshama leaves the gulf? It's bechlal not So now I ask you, what's real geshmak? Is a nigan geshmak the real geshmak? 
Is the geschmack of seichel a real geschmack? What about the geschmack of an emotion? There's an emotion that's delicious. You feel somebody's positive emotion, what you call a positive energy, a positive emotion. Or the geschmack in food. The answer is that's ishtashalus. That is what ishtashalus means. The term geschmack descends. Descends. Dovod HaMelech says in Tehillim, Tamuru kitoiv Hashem. Fazuch, taste, and you'll see kitoiv Hashem. But you have to taste. You have to taste. You can't compare the taste buds that need to be cultivated in order to taste the geschmack of a nigan than to taste the geschmack of a piece of food. But also everybody understands that the impact, the impact of a nigan could be for a year, could be a lifetime. The impact of a sweet person can be your whole life. The impact of an idea can transform you. The impact of a delicious piece of food, usually 10 seconds, <laughs> till the saliva gets to it, and then it goes into the bloodstream and that's it. And then you may have to go somewhere else to deal with it. Huh? There is. That's what it's called, ishtalshalus. The sweetness originates in a higher place, it descends, and in each world, it assumes a different meaning. I'm just giving an example of the concept of ishtalshalus. Yes. Yes. Right. So we have over here in the in the the Yeah. 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 But now let's bring out in the positive sense, though. They all have a common denominator. And that's Geschmack. And therefore, even the lowest level, it's a form of Geschmack. And there's certain similarities. Similarities, it makes you feel good, makes you feel enriched. It gives you delight, it gives you sweetness, it gives you pleasure, it gives you ecstasy. Yes, but it's a completely different realm. Some people, they hear a certain music, a certain song, a ballad, and they melt. The sweetness of the song, the sweetness of the symphony. It's a different level of sweetness. But there's a common denominator between all the levels, and that is there's a theme. The theme is deliciousness. Mesikos, sweetness. What it's expressed in depends. Who is more addicted or more sensitive or more perceptive depends where you are on the rung. Chachma of Yitzira, Lagabi Chachma of Briya is a joke. It's a joke. But in that world, it's very serious. And the same is true with every phenomenon in creation. Everything is dimensions, layers, 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 and each level it assumes a different incarnation, but it's the same message that is just coming down until you hit the Geshem. What's the uniqueness of Geshem? In Gashmis, there's also a toichen. Everything has its functionality, its purpose, its story, its narrative. Certainly, the koyach haboyre in it, the divine energy that creates it, that's mamish ruchni, is the ayin within the yesh. Even its design that's here to serve a certain functionality, to tell you something about it. 
and the various themes that are conveyed through it. Even the fact that it's sweet, it's delicious because of certain properties that it has. Physical properties. But then you have one quality in the Geshem that doesn't exist anywhere else. And that is what he calls here Chumrius. Gashmius Chumrius. Why does he add the word Chumrius? Chumrius means bruteness. The Chumr, the material of it. Geshem has in it another dimension. What's in it other dimension? Where it ceases to be part of a chain. It ceases to convey a message. Till you hit Geshem, Hishtashalus goes down and down and down and down, but on every level, it's continuing a narrative. It's condensed, it's restricted, it's limited, but it's continuing a story. It's continuing a toichen. It's the toichen, the way it's translated in a lower world, but it's a toichen. Toichen comes from the word toich. Toichen, when you say it had toichen, comes from the word toich. It has an inside. It has a primius to it. In the world of Geshem, in the world of physicality, a new concept emerges. And that is that there's no concept. A new reality emerges, and that is two words, I am. I am. No allegiance. No continuity. I don't fit into anybody's context. I'm not part of a theme. It's just... A justifi- an essential justification of itself without the need to be part of a context, without the need to ask where I came from, why I came from, who did I come from, what's my message. That's the Chiddush that exists in Geshem. MS, you could see in the Gashmias, Toichen. MS, you could see and study the spirituality of the Gashmias. You study the theme that it also fits into a context, that it's a perpetuation of that. That is the Ruchnis of the Gashmis. That's the Asara Mamoris of the Gashmis. That's the Vayihichet of the Gashmis. But then there is a special Mimer, Vayas. Vayas is that there was something created that is completely detached in its own consciousness. Completely divorced from anything. That's the Vayas. That's also the Vayas. That's the Maimer Vayas. That's the Kiyom. Did I answer your question? No. Okay. Because the way you describe it now, and the way I understood it from the Maimer, is that the Seder Ishtarshus is a separate thing. Yeah. And one thing goes into the other. The is a thing by itself. Yeah. One station without anything before, anything after. How do they join? No, that's a different Indian. Yeah. 
when he says that there's a mazel that tells the grass to grow, let's understand what that means. That means that there is a spiritual force, a kaya chalaki, that communicates, so to speak, with the grass and gives it instructions. Physical instructions, instructions that relate to its physical, its physical properties, its physical structure. Because there is ruchnius in everything. The yesh comes from ayin. The ayin is the ruchni that commands the yesh. It gives instructions to the yesh. As we said, even the molecular structure relative to the concrete structure that we perceive is ayin. And the atomic structure is deeper ayin. And the subatomic structure is deeper ayin. And the mazel may be the empty space in the atom, which is makev oymaloigdal, that's even deeper ayin. But that is all the ace of responding to a voice. The ace of responding to ruchnius and following through. And one observes the growth of the ace of, and if they study it, and they study the genius of it, and the brilliance of it, and the intricacies of it, that every single fruit, and every single bush, and every single plant, and every tree, and every dimension of every plant, bush, and tree, knows exactly what to do in order to achieve three purposes. Number one, to exist and thrive and receive all the nutrients it needs to live. Number two, to propagate and make sure there's a future generation of flowers, trees, bushes, plants, vegetables, fruits, etc. Number three, to enhance its environment. Somehow what trees all know, no people can figure out. They have to do three things in life. <laughs> we're, we're struggling with this still. Ayeka. But they all know and they figure it out. The leaf knows exactly how to take sunlight and turn it into glucose. <laughs> turn it into sugar. Almost when it starts pouring outside. When was it pouring? Yesterday or two days ago. And I went outside and I was looking at the trees and I can almost feel the nachas that the trees were experiencing as somebody, you know, their God was feeding them. It was like they were... The men were all complaining and, and getting dirty, but the trees were like in their environment. Like there's a whole there's a whole conversation going on in the trees. So there's a whole spiritual life. This is the, the spirit. There's a famous book, the spiritual life of plants, right? Different experiments that they did. People growing plants. One fascinating. I once read this. Uh, two people were growing the same plants. One was an environment they put on music. There was music near the plant, and the person would uh, water the plant and speak to the plant and play music around the plant. Very positively. There was just a beautiful energy. And the other plant was in an environment, now there was no music, it was grotesque and ugly and foul language and, and, and negative words. Literally, one plant grew L'Shem Tiferis beautifully, and another plant shriveled up. So some people mock from these mock these experiments, but there's a lot, a lot of research in this. But in any way you want to explain it, there's a certain there's, there's a ruchnius in everything. That's one element in every blade of grass, in every ant, in every rock. In an asif, you could see it more because there's growth. But then there's another component. The other component is when you look at the physical. The physical as physical, the, phys- the gashmi as a gashmi has a different story. And the story is, I have no story. I am my own story. I am my own justification. That's the geshem of the geshem. Yes, I can study the geshem. I can excavate it. I can research it. I can examine it. 
I could bring rias, I can argue, I can debate. But the very fact that you have to debate it means that there's another side to the story. What's the other side of the story? That there's a certain element of physicality that conceals everything. It eclipses any, everything. Yeah. There's a lotion of the Balatanya that Gashmi is, it sees itself as Mitsiusa Meatz Musan. Its Mitsias comes from itself, from nothing else. It doesn't point to anything, it doesn't come from anywhere, it doesn't have to go anywhere. It has no destiny, it has no progenitor, it has no father, it has no mother. And even in our own experience, we don't feel that we have a father and a mother. We know that we have a father and a mother, but we don't experience it. We don't experience ourselves as part of a story. We experience ourselves as here I am, here I was. And that's the, that's the real definition of the Gashmi. The message of the Gashmi, the Teichen of the Gashmi, the purpose of the Gashmi, the functionality of the Gashmi, the various tricks that the Gashmi does, including growth, all attest to a Ruchnius inside of it. But remember, when you're dealing with Ishtalshalos, it's Ruchni from Ruchni from Ruchni from Ruchni, all you see is a message. All you see is a toichen. In Geshem, there's a new reality introduced, and that is, you don't see that. There's an element with that completely eclipses it. It just says, I am. If you'll speak and say, in certain places, there's a spiritual energy in grass, you'll be thrown out of the auditorium. Why? You could quote a Medrash Rabbah from today till tomorrow, you'll be thrown out. While you'll be, th- while you'll be thrown out, it's your religious fundamentalist interpretation of growth. So Bacha came to see me the other day. He said, you, don't you realize, Rabbi Jacobson, your religion was necessary for thousands of years when we were primitive without science. Today that we have science, we don't need religion anymore. Everything is explained. Maybe this quantum leap can be understood by a fetus. Huh? This quantum leap that is said yesterday can be understood by a fetus. Before it was born or after it was born. Before it was born, there was a whole... Anumitsi. Yeah, Anumitsi. This is a Chiddush Gashmi. You understand? Did I answer your question with Esav? This is a Chiddush and the Gashmi, Dafka. There's a toichen in it that's ruchni. Makav oimalagdal. But if there wouldn't be the geshem, there would still be ishtalshalos. Or what would be the grass? The grass would be the message that grass represents. Like I told you, everything has an energy that exists on one level, a higher level, a higher level, a higher level. You have grass in the higher worlds also. You have apples and you have oranges, you have kiwis, you have watermelon, you have men and you have women, you have noses and you have ears. Darizal speaks about Chaitim the Adam Kadman, Metzach the Adam Kadman, Aznayim the Adam Kadman. Same nose, same forehead. Yud Gimel Tikune Dikna is the beard of Adam Kadman. Now it doesn't look like a beard down here. It does not look like the same beard, but it's the same thing. Did, did this all come into existence with the Chaitim of Das? No, no, no. We're talking Bria Salomas. But you have the toichen of every physical thing exists in a higher place also. We're not 
talks all about nefesh and kiss nefesh behemis, right? This is all part of the behemistic part of, of the group. We're not talking nefesh altogether. Yeah, we're not talking nefesh, Daf. Everything in the world has a nefesh, a koyach ruchni. But if Hishtalshlus would have stopped before Asiya, what would the world look like? There would still be Hishtalshlus. There would be in Ruchnius, there's so many Madregas. And there would be a Ruchnius that's called Yesh. But what would be the Yesh? The Yesh would be, it's called tangible, relative to the Ayin. The light wave, the way is in its solar core where it completely loses its identity and it assumes a Yesh. It has an identity, but it has a spiritual identity. It has a toichen ruchni. It conveys a certain, a certain spiritual message. There's a purposeness to us. There's a functionality to it in the context of creation. Suddenly, Hishtashalus <laughs> takes a quantum leap, a turn, and that is physicality emerges. And physicality has a second story. And the second story is, stop explaining me. I am a random mistake. That's who I am. You don't like it? Go to therapy. Figure out your anxiety. Stop imposing your own wishes that your life has meaning on me. I am meaningless and I'm proud of it. So and the word proud is also part of your problems. So if there had been no second creation and just the Ruchni is devolving to a very coarse level but still based in token men would perhaps be less existentially lost in the universe. There won't be men. Because, not yes. be men. But well, we're not physical men. No, they'd be Finish. physical men. But we would still be more linked in a shalshelis. You know, in other words, if you, without this last step to Gashmias, you feel that you're part of a shalshelis. Literally like a shalshelis, like, like in a family. You have a father, you have a Zaid, you have an Alta Zaid, you come from somewhere, you represent something. You're continuing a story. You're literally part of a chain. Which is the truth of the world. It is part of a chain. But the Geshem introduces a new reality. And the reality is complete self-sufficiency. Complete dependence. I am divorced from anything and anybody. I don't owe anybody, I'm not part of a story, I'm not part of a conflict, I'm not part of a design. You want to manipulate me and use me for what you want, fine. But that's your own subjective experience of me. Is that that's the Chiddush of Geshen. That's the novelty, the quantum metamorphosis, the quantum leap that happens in Geshen that doesn't exist in Ruchni. And in the world of Ishtashlus, you're not going to get there. You'll go lower and lower and lower. Again, you could explain a Mishnah from a, the perspective of the Tanoi. <laughs> And then the Mishnah could be condensed and restricted. And then you give one trickle of water. You take a drop of the ocean. But it still has the same properties of the ocean. You're not going to get from the ocean, you're not suddenly going to get a a fire. It's going to be a drop of the ocean. I'm not giving you the whole Atlantic. I'm giving you one cup. But it has the same properties like the Atlantic. Yes, you can't compare a cup of water to the Atlantic Ocean. True. (laughs) True. The Titanic wouldn't sink in this cup of coffee. You can't compare it. But it has the same properties. There's a similarity. This one drop of water has the same properties like the Atlantic. And it's not even a good muscle. Because over there there's no Hishtalshlus because it was taken right out of the ocean. Here it's really, really very remote, the higher from the lower. But there's still the link. There's still a connection. And because there's a connection, even though it's a very remote connection, right? But nonetheless, I carry your gene, even if it's a thousand generations later. 
and therefore I express what you express, even if it's in a different plane. The Pasuk Chumash that you learn, the five-year-old learns, is the same Pasuk Chumash that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. Are there layers of understanding that he doesn't have access to? Of course. But he grasps that truth on one level. Because it's information. It's all data. It's information. The world of Geshem says, I have nothing to inform you. Ich bin, I am. (coughs) Yes, you wanted to ask. So, after Mashiach comes and we have uh, the thousand tribes spread fully, at that point, does the Geshem suddenly relate to to its ancestry? No. <laughs> still, still say seven. So, uh, so, so, but, but your toif is this point. I'll bring it out. Just I'll give it just one more Indian to, to bring it out. When you say more in Ruchnius and you say more in Gashmius, it actually has paradoxical meanings. <coughs> when you say Gresser larger in Ruchnius, increase in Ruchnius, yeah? Or you say more depth, more depth. What you mean is that the toichen of it, it's higher up in the chain. There's more of the toichen of it is being conveyed. Give me more of your wisdom. What does it mean give me more of your wisdom? Or give me more of your emotion? It means that actually you're giving me more depth of this concept. When you say in Gashmi something is bigger, something is larger, it doesn't mean it has a greater justification to exist. It means it just is more space. It's longer, it's thicker, it's wider. Yes, physical status. It is, I am. That's what make what makes it bigger, what makes it bigger, more significant, what's called godless. Simply he occupies more space. It's isness, it's existence. In Ruchnius, what makes something bigger is deep it's more true. It's more true. There's more toichen here. In Gashmis we don't measure it that way. Yeah. yeah. This big means big. You're fat, you're big. You have more of exactly the same thing. The table extends longer. You say it's a longer table. It's a larger table. A bigger body. You have the same thing extends. What made it bigger? More space. It's, it's more, more of a psatoichen. It brings out a deeper truth. You'll say in Seichel, you'll say, Let, let's explain it a little deeper. Let's prove it more. Let's bring another proof to it. Why? Because all of Ruchnius is about a toichen. It's trying to convey a message. Whatever the message is. And this is true emotions. It's true intellect. Again, there's many levels how, but the common denominator is you're trying to convey something. In Gashmius, the message is I am, period. And more of me means just more of I am. Not as ich bin oizgehalten. Not that there's something oizgehalten about it. There's something that, that justifies it, that gives it perspective. It doesn't need perspective. It's not looking for perspective. Kan nimtze, kan hoya. From my point, I'm invincible. 
I have no source, I'm not going anywhere. A Geshem feels that it's essentially eternal. Even if you could prove it, that it won't be eternal. But in our experiential reality, there's eternity. I know I have a mother, but do I experience it? No Geshem experiences it. That's the definition. That leap creates a tremendous gap that all of Ishtashlus on its own would never do. So therefore, the Balatanya says, when you read Parshas Bereshis, you could see there's these two streams. There's the Vayoymer Elikim, that is the God energy in everything. Vayoymer Elikim, Tachayaretz Desha. Vayoymer Elikim, Nasa Adam, Toitzayaretz Nafrachai, Yihimaretz Berekiyah Shamaya. That creates, but what does it create? It creates the spiritual energy that creates the physical. Huh? That's the Gadel. That's the Mazel. And Vayihi Chain, it was so, because that's what creates it. But that still is the way the Ruchnius is infusing it. It's a Toichin Ruchni. What's the Vayas? He says, the Vayas is the Zasiyah B'fneyatzmai Lagashmis. There was a special Mimer. The Mimer that created the Ruchnius of it, meaning the Mimer that created the spiritual chemistry of every single Nivra, which is the Vayoymer Elakim. This should be, that should be, that should be. And each mimer is a different energy, different oisius of Asarim Amaris, that creates the spiritual composition of every nivra. That mimer did not suffice to create one more aspect. And that is the physical aspect of it. The physical as physical itself, which is divorced from any visible display of any higher energy. That is a special vayas alakim. What's the vayas? Not the toichen of it. But the fact that you could look at it and turn it into its own God. You could look at it in a completely distorted way, completely divorced from any source. That's the Geshem. Now, generally speaking, this element of Geshem was seen as the arch enemy of religion. This is why the world is full of temptation. It's basically the devil. <laughs> this is the devil. What do I mean by the devil? This is the <coughs> darkness of the world. This is why a lot of us, you grow up in certain places and they're always knocking Gashmias, right? A Megishim, a Gashmi, a Bahaima, a Bahaima is a Gashmi. A Jew is a Ruchni. Gashmias is nothing. It's nothing. It's worthless. It's meaningless. You need it. Nebach, you need it. So you do as much as you can and then you move on. That's a general perspective. And you'll see this in Svarim. Gashmi is, they're always mavatl. Ruchni is, they extol. I, people like Gashmi's, of course. They're behemoths, they like Gashmi's. They like hay. They want to eat hay a whole day. That's what they like. Okay, we don't call it hay, we call it french fries. But, uh, but the concept is the same. You know, the Geshem was seen as the arch enemy of enlightenment. Closer to truth means transcending the physical. In this Maimah, the Balatanya says that there's a whole different perspective. It's actually the other way around. Meaning, the Geshem, its, distort, its distortive quality really is rooted in something very profound. And that's what he says, that the Hishtalshlus of Ilava Olul would not reach Gashmi. That could not come from Ruchnius. So Wasya. He says, the Esav HaGashmi Mamish, the Geshem of the Esav. 
Not the toichen of the Yesa. When you say grow, what does grow mean? I say growth. What does growth mean? There's physical growth. There's emotional growth. There's psychological growth. There's spiritual growth. And in spiritual growth itself, what's growth? Deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Coming from something that's there already and continuing. Exactly. And growing and increasing. More awareness. What does growth mean when we say life is about growth? More awareness, more openness, more enlightenment, challenging yourself more, opening yourself up to deeper truth, climbing another mountain, you know, climbing another challenge, etc. That's what growth is. They say that uh, there was a man named uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. He was a New Zealand explorer, a mountaineer. So in 1952, he tried to get to the top of Mount Everest. And he failed 29,000 feet tall. And he didn't succeed, just like nobody before succeeded. But there was a group of in-, in England who wanted to honor him for his great efforts. At least he tried to reach the top. There's also something. So they made a reception for him. And when they called him up to the podium to speak, they gave him a thundering applause for trying to scale to the top of Mount Everest. It comes up, but he was obviously, he felt that he was a failure. So he turned away from the mic and they had a, a huge portrait of Mount Everest on the back, on the wall, on the backdrop. And he goes over to the picture and he makes a fist and he starts speaking to the picture. And he says, Mount Everest, you beat me. You beat me the first time around. But the second time around, I'm going to beat you. You know why? Because you grew all you can grow. You stopped growing. He says, I'm still in the middle of growing. I'll beat you. The next year, he made it to the top of Mount Everest. So what does growth mean? You're looking at that conversation, and he says, I'm a sugar The mountain stopped growing, and he's growing where he's growing taller than the mountain. Yeah. You say the word growth, what does growth mean? (laughs) Growth means, I develop myself. I develop my skill, I develop my ability, I develop my wisdom, again, on every level. When you say, in physicality, growth, so now the grass is bigger, it's taller, so it occupies more space. So the gedal is a toichen, it's an ingen, it exists in Atzillus, it exists in Bria, it exists in Yitzirah, it exists also down here. The geshem of it, the physicality of it, the physical component of it, the chumrius of it, here, there's a new reality. And this does not come from ruchnius. It doesn't come from that progression, what is it? So he says, his lashon is that it's What is it? The geshem is a koyeche leki mamish, oyrein soif mamish, Soiv of Kalalman, where Ruchnius and Gashmis are equal. He made Ruchnius Manliash, he made Gashmis Manliash. In other words, the Geshem is rooted in the source. And in that sense, there's something in it, its superficiality has within it a depth that even the Ruchnius doesn't have. No intermediate steps. 
no intermediate steps. This quantum leap couldn't evolve. Evolution wouldn't reach this place. Evolution has to make sense, which is the big problem with Darwin's evolutionary theory, by the way. Evolution has to make sense. Evolution means that there is there is a uh, a continuum. There's a sequence. There's a sequence of events. It evolves. You say a story evolves, which is our problem in science with evolution. It's not they don't like to address it, but the missing gaps are enormously dramatic. Like you have to rely on many more miracles than if you if if you accept Bereshit's bottle of it's miraculous. I'm not getting into the discussion now about Darwin's evolution. But the point is, the definition of evolution means there's a sensible sequence, even if it ends up very dramatic and very remote. But there's a sequence. And from Ruchnius to Gashmius, there's no sequence. Because the Geshem ultimately introduces a point where it completely diverges in the most extreme way without any recognition of any Shaykhs. So this comes from something else. This comes, he says, from Eirin, Saif Baruch Hu Mamesh HaSaif of Kalalman. You have to go to the source that transcends all the universes. What do we mean transcends all the universes? Mamala Kalalman also transcends the universe. If it gives life to it, it transcends it. But Mamala Kalalman is what? Is the energy that is condensed. It's custom made. It suits the creature. It's the energy that creates this type of particle. This type of atom. This type of molecule, it fits it. It fills it. Huh? It's the mazel by, by the It's the mazel You can't compare the mazel of an apple tree to the mazel of a kiwi tree. To the mazel of the cantaloupe or the watermelon or the cucumber or the squash. Everybody has their mazel. Or the mazel of the frog or the mazel of the cockroach or rat. Or elephant or rhinoceros. It has its unique energy. Which is all ruchnius. Which all comes ultimately from the original ayin. From, it's the tipper of the yam. But the Geshem, this is rooted directly in Saib of Kalama, the divine energy at its core, where Ruchnius and Gashmius are identical. In other words, Ruchnius there is not any closer than Gashmius. Why? Because Ruchnius, even though it's Ruchnius, Ruach, it speaks of the divine. That's what makes it Ruchnius. It's intangible. But nonetheless, the divine that it speaks of is so restricted, it's so condensed, it's called yesh. And the source is beyond that too. Over there, Ruchnis and Gashmis are Mamr Shavim, the same remoteness. So just like he created Ruchnis Me'ayin Le'esh, starting to trickle downward, he created a new it's called Gashmis Me'ayin Le'esh, not part of that evolutionary process. And that's why it's Yashar, that's why because Hashem has an aspect of Yasharim, because there's something that has bypassed that whole thing and come straight down without an intermediary? Is that where he's coming back to? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What does this mean? It means that what was seen as the arch enemy of Judaism for millennia, really with the proper perspective, you really have to understand that it's exactly the other way around. There's something in the Geshem that is so divine because of its chisarin. The chisarin remains a chisarin. That can't be denied. But that chisarin itself, with the proper glasses, you understand, that there's something in it that is so profound due to its lack, 
true to that physical bruteness. That physical bruteness is an expression, not of Ishtar, it's an expression of Saif of Kalam. That, that void is actually the Yesh. Yeah. 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 It's rooted in the Yesh Amiti. There's an expression of the Balatanya's son, the Mittler Rebbe, in one of his farm, Bayuri Azoyar. He says that the Yesh of the Nivra is really an expression of the Yesh Amiti. The Yesh, the ego of the Geshem, the ego of the Nivra, is really an embodiment of the true ego, of the Yesh Amiti. In Tanya, the Balatanya wrote a few days before he passed away, he wrote a long mimer. It's probably his deepest discourse. Mamash a few days before he passed away. The Tzamaq says he wrote it a few days. He was already sick. He was at a place called Piana. And he wrote it. It's printed in Tanya, Geras HaKadosh, Simen Chaf. And there he adds something that he didn't write before in the Maimarim. This he wrote a few times. He said a few times. But there he added one more, one more knech. And he said as follows. Very, very loaded idea. It's, it's, it's really a game changer on this Mahalach. He writes, literally Mamash a few days before his Estalkus, he wrote this, he never wrote it before. That every, the difference between Ruchnius and Gashmius is, <coughs> Ruchnius does not claim complete independence of God. It always points, as we said before. Gashmi is Mitziuse Meatzmosai. His words. It says, my metzius comes from my atzmos. I don't need a cause. You could prove it to me, but in my experience, I don't need a cause. In other words, I don't need a justification. Whenever you ask why, what does why mean? Why means you don't just do things on their on their own. You need a real reason for it. Where did this come from? Where did this come from means how did it come here? Right? Everything is that way. How did it come here? It's a big question. How did the universe come here? So you say there was a big bang. And how did that happen? We don't know. It happened. How did it happen? You're looking for the source. You're looking for a justification. You want to know what, where, what. In Gashmias, that feeling is not there. My reality comes from my essence, not from somebody else. That's the feeling of Gashmi. So the Balatanya says... Where does a creation get such a feeling? Everything has a source, Hashem. How can there be anything in the world that feels that it's completely independent? Where do you get such a feeling from? How did that happen? Everything comes from God. So we, Ruchnius, I understand. It knows it has a source. Where did the Gashmias get this unbridled, pompous arrogance to be so brute and coarse? Denying any reference to anything higher. How did it happen? I'll tell you how. All Ruchnius is rooted in divine energy. Divine energy has a source. The source is the divine. The light wave has a source. It's called the solar core. The drop of the ocean has a source. It's called the Atlantic, which also has a source. All Ruchnius is rooted in a source. It's divine energy that comes from the divine. It's like the ray of the sun. When you see the light coming in, you don't say, oh, there's no sun. You shut the Venetian blind and the ray is gone. You know why? You want to detach the ray from the sun? There goes your ray. It's over. 
Somehow Gashmis doesn't have this problem. It feels detached and it's completely fine. In fact, today, what they call existentialism, post-existentialism, modernity and post-modernity, all, all evolves around this idea of constructing a life out of complete detachment, out of complete isolation, complete independence. So he says, where did this come from? The MS, where did it come from? So the answer is that the Gashmi comes from Hashem's essence. The only thing in the world that doesn't have a source is God's essence. His essence is also Its existence comes from itself. Nothing brought it into existence. The Ruchnius is rooted in God's light. God's light has a source. So everything feels it has a source. The physicality of the world is rooted in God's essence. God's essence is really not preceded by anything. So when you look at the Gashmi, the Gashmi says, I'm not preceded by anything. I am I. Why? Because the physicality is an embodiment of the ultimate essence. Because it's an embodiment of the ultimate essence, what it says is, I am essentially. I am. There's, I don't fit into anything. There's nothing that precedes me, nothing that justifies me. So even though when we look at the Gashmi, what we're hearing and seeing is, there's no God, I am. But the real, the real message of the Gashmi is, look at me and you'll see the ultimate truth. You'll see what ultimate truth looks like, because it's a manifestation of it. The reason the Gashmi could say, which is a lie, which is a lie, because it's not is because it's rooted in Hashem's Atzmus, which is Mitzvah So the Gashmi conveys that message. That's the answer to your question. So when Mashiach comes, it's not Pshat, that the Gashmi will tell a story. No, the Ruchni will tell a story. What will happen is, the independence of the Gashmi, yeah, will be able to, will be able to see in the independence of the Gashmi, the true source of life. Not that it's going to become a Ruchni, it's much deeper than that. The physicality itself, in other words, what we blame when we look at the world, those aspects that we see as the worst dimension, as the root of all evil, the root of all egotism, the root of all atheism, that which we see as the lowest and most inferior quality from a spiritual perspective of the world, essentially, that quality is really its most divine quality. But it's rooted in the essence of the divine. And in the essence of the divine, there's nothing preceding it. So therefore the physicality screams, Ein oid malvadi. There's nothing outside of me. I don't need anything outside of me. Why does it scream that? Because it's really an expression. It carries the message of Atmos in the Gashmi. Or in the Lashon here in the Maimir is, to get from the, through the quantum leap, you can't go through Ruchnius. The soiv of Kalalman, which transcends Ruchnius and Gashmis, equally directly creates the Gashmi. This is why Teres HaBalshemtev completely transformed, I shouldn't say transformed, revealed, revealed, a whole deeper perspective on how you have to look at the body and how you have to look at the Gashmis of life, the Gashmis of the world. What was seen for generations as the arch enemy of religion, and the greatest advantage you could do is segregate, disengage, detach from your body. 
detached from all physicality because it's essentially evil. And the fact is, yes, the fact is that the goof and the gashmis can derail a person as as it always done does and it still does. But that's a much narrower perspective. A much deeper perspective is to be able to understand that it's precisely the other way around. That if you put on the right glasses, physicality has something in it that spirituality doesn't have. Which is how they which which explains the paradox. And that is in Svarim of Musr and Machshava, you don't stop preaching against Gashmis. In Musr and you don't stop preaching against Gashmis. Shalashuddha's drushas, they don't stop preaching against Gashmis. But everybody is Gashmis, Dick. So what we created is a lot of neurosis. We get inspired, Rosh Hashanah, Yim Kippah, Elo, by speeches that tell us to run away from Gashmis. We feel we want to be Erlechid, and so we do that. But then we come into a world where it's almost impossible to run away from it, and it's almost like so much part of your personality. So some people just give up. They give up on spiritual grand. They're like, I'm not going to lie for the rest of my life. All these Svarim and speeches are not for me. I'm just going to be a physical. I like Sunday afternoon barbecue by the pool. That's it. That's who I am. And they just give up. They, sur- they just give up on their spirituality. Others don't want to. So what they do is, they really have to repress a major part of themselves, or mutilate a part of themselves, or fake it to themselves and to others, or deny it. Creates very, very complicated stuff in life. Another Chiddush is most of Torah and Mitzvahs deals with physicality. You want to celebrate Shabbos. How do you celebrate Shabbos? You're eating three meals. Who ever heard of such a thing? Who celebrates God through food? Only Jews. So the way we did it is, we turned Shabbos into Kishka. That's what happened. Many of us. And we call it Ganeiden and Lesham Yichud and Kishka Shabbos, whatever. Huh? Okay. But what's the MS? Most of Yiddishkeit, most of Torah Mitzvahs is about Geshem. So there's like a little bit, if you tell me like, you have in the Far Eastern disciplines, you connect to spirituality through spirituality. Yeah, you fast for 40 years, you don't speak for 22 years. Yeah, you meditate on top of mountains and in ashrams and you have enlightenment. Judaism is full of paradox. If you don't understand this, ultimately our religion becomes hollow. Because we mock disengagement from the world. Pruervu. Catholicism got rid of intimacy. For the priests and the cardinals and the bishops, we know how well that worked. But uh, at least the concept of celibacy. I get it. Disengage. Disengage. You do from Elamazah what you have to. In other words, is Yiddishkeit real or not real? That's why a lot of people today, young Goliath, are very frustrated. And they're going to all types of spiritual places to... I'm saying people who are serious. They're trying to find something. Where are they going to find it? In the herring? Where are they going to find it? They're not finding it there. Right? As much as you'll hack mitzutzes, mitkedisha and tada, they know they're not finding it there. They go to all types of places. So I understand a religion that disengages from Gashmis makes sense. You say this world is an illusionary, illusionary world, it's all superficial, you got to get in touch with the energy. Makes a lot of sense. But Torah Mitzvah keeps on taking you back to the physical world on every level. We have one day of holiness where you don't eat. It's Yom Kippur. And even then, it's a mitzvah to eat out of Yom Kippur. Even then, we have to fast. Before Yom Kippur, you have to eat this amount of ten meals. And Mitzvah Yom Kippur, you ever saw what a Jewish house looks like? 
They fasted a few, they fasted a few hours, 24 hours, and the appetite is like you didn't eat in nine years. Yeah, sukkahs you eat, you eat outside. But it's always eating. Pesach is matzah, shvuas is blintzah. So the truth is that the big distortion has been created in Judaism. That for many it just became a religion of vanity, of, of, of futility. But what's the real oymek of it? That's the oymek. That's the pikudi Hashem Yeshorim Esam Chileh. That he says, when a person really appreciates the Einer, that comes not from weakness. This comes from strength that's deeper than Ruchni. It's not lower than Ruchni. When a person really appreciates the Einoid Mulvada and the Vahafta and the angst and the thirst. So he says, when he does one of the mitzvahs that's Malubish and Gashmias, there's an ecstasy. Why? Because it's the Gashmi. Because he's touching the Ein Saif. Hasayv of Kalalman Mamish. That's how he finishes Pedakim. Aye, he's doing a mitzvah that's a physical mitzvah. The physicality that becomes a vehicle for Ratzon Hashem for a mitzvah. He's touching here something that is beyond all of Ishtalshalos. That's why Vahoyu Advarim Ha'ela Asher Anoichi Mitzavcha Hayoyim Hayoyim La'asoysa. It's in the world of mice, in the world of action, where he touches something beyond. For this you need the physical mitzvah. For this you need the gesha. So in the big picture of Yiddishkeit, it's not that Ruchnius is holier than Gashmius. That's a very limited view. It's true from a limited perspective. It's not Oikim and Ashayrish, all the Svarim, even in the Kutatayr itself, that Ruchnius is higher than Gashmius. He's not romanticizing the, the, the Grobkeit of Gashmius. Punkt Farkeit. If one doesn't appreciate the superiority of Ruchnis, you'll never appreciate what he's saying here. What he's saying is, in the ultimate big picture, the superiority of Ruchnis and Gashmis is a relative stage of growth. It's a relative stage of growth. It's an important stage of growth, the supremacy of Ruchnis, but it's a relative stage. Why is it a relative stage of growth? In a certain space, that's true. Ruchnis prevails over Gashmis. But to call God spiritual is as idolatrous as calling God physical. Just like no Erlich today will say God is physical. No Jew today, the Raivita says in Hilchus Tshuva about the Rambam, G'doylim v'toyvim imenu believe that God has a body. The Raivit says in Hilchus Tshuva on the Rambam who says that if you say God is a Balguf, you're a min, you're an Apikoides. The Raivit says greater people than the Rambam believe that God had a body. Okay, you have to understand what the Ravid means. But today, right, if somebody will say Hashem has a body, they'll call him Avi Avoy Satuma and throw him out. Even though the Ravid says that in Hilchis Tshuva, the Ravid that's learned in all the yeshivas. Fine, things evolve, things develop. Today, if you'll say Hashem is not everywhere, if you won't sing Uncle Moishi's song, Hashem is there, Hashem is there, yeah, Hashem is not everywhere, they'll also throw you out of the base Medrash, even though... Somebody as great as the Vilna Gon believed that God is not everywhere. Tzimtzum Kipshutai. Fine, but today you don't say these things. It evolves. Today to say that God is physical is unheard of. But that God is spiritual, that everybody says. But it's not true. The same idolatrous statement, relatively speaking, that God is physical is to say God is spiritual. That's why he says, Saif of Kalalman, Ruchni is Vigashmi is it's the same mistake. He's not physical, he's also not spiritual. And he's equally, more than, not only he's not spiritual, his remoteness from physicality is equal to his remoteness from spirituality. 
and in a way more. <laughs> in a way more, as he explains here. To our eyes, in a way more. Be'emes, yeah. In other words, it's all from our right. So his, so to call him a gashmi, to call him a ruchni, is just like calling him a gashmi. I ruchni is ruchni. Yes, ruchni is sensitive. Ruchni is perceptive. Ruchni tells you there's something deeper. You could get stuck in the quagmire of gashmi. So that's why there is Jewish history evolves. In Jewish history, you read all the Svarim. Ruchni is higher than Gashmi's. And we're not going to change that. This Maimir doesn't uproot that. Don't You have to see things from a bigger picture. But in the bigger picture of reality, Ruchni's is not greater than Gashmi's. Fakert. There's something in the Geshem that Ruach never has. And that's the Simchi and the Mitzvah and the Torah that is related to the Geshem. Because in the Geshem itself, the physicality itself, Due to its darkness, due to its egotism, due to its bruteness and coarseness, means, wow, you're not from Ishtalshalus. You're something completely, completely different. And I'm going to crack your code. <laughs> so Gashmi is an invitation to crack a code. What's this code? You don't fit into this family. You're like an adopted child. You don't fit into the picture. What's your code? I'm going to crack your code. When you look at the gun, you've got to crack its code. What's its code? Its code is that it's a testimony to the source of the divine reality. We will acknowledge that what we thought was our independence because it came from... Yes. We will acknowledge we say that it came yes. from that we thought was... Yes, yes, yes. only because we realized yes. that we came from the divine... Yes, essence. La'asad lavoy. The element of Gashmias that was seen as the darkest force, that itself will become its source of light. That itself. Not that you're going to run away from it. You're going to see the truth of that itself, which was the quality of Gashmias that most eclipsed God. That's the quality that's going to be expressing God more. Because the reason it most eclipses God is because it's more divine. It expresses the essence. Ah, depression. In depression? Of course, everything. Depression? Every Nikoda you have on different layers. Like I spoke yesterday, you have tears. You have the emotions that produce the tears. You have the subconscious emotions that produce the tears. Right? You have the origin of the emotions. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.